Please remain standing. Take your Bibles this morning, Genesis chapter number 12, very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. I was reading this chapter this past week, and this thought kind of jumped out, and so I'm going to jump it out at you, Genesis chapter number 12. Again, Genesis chapter 12. I'd like us to read just one verse, and we'll have a word of prayer and try to find what God's got here for us. Genesis chapter 12, I'd like us to read verse number 10. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10. If we can read that together, reading it out loud, verse number 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Let's pray. Father, again, we're grateful for each one that's here. Lord, I'm sure some not well or not here minister to their hearts. Help them to get better quickly. But Lord, help us. I pray that, uh, Lord, this is not an unfamiliar chapter. Uh, we've probably looked at it before. Would you please open our eyes maybe to something that we've not seen or an application that we've not yet given. Direct my words. Please fill me with your spirit. Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I think that most of us are familiar with the name Abram. Later, he was called Abraham. But at this time in his life, he's Abram. And he's considered one of the great patriarchs of the Bible. We know that the nation of Israel traces their lineage back to Abram. And uh, we also know that the Arab nations they trace themselves also back to Abram, Israel to Abram through Isaac, the Arab nations uh, to Abram through Ishmael. And so this man, Abram, he's not an insignificant person in the Bible. In fact, his name shows up 311 times. That's a lot of times. Of that, 237 in the Old Testament, 74 in the New uh, the very first time that we read Abram's name, back up to the chapter before, look there, if you would, in Genesis chapter 11 and verse number 27. Genesis 11, 27. The Bible says, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And so the very first mention of Abram is that his father Terah gave birth to three sons. And so that's the first mention of his name. Then we get to, of course, Genesis 12. Uh, look there in Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And so it was in Genesis 12, verse 1, that God called Abram to leave his country, to leave his kindred. And God was going to show him a land. By the time we get to verse number 5, we find the name of that land. Look there in Genesis 12, verse 5. And Abram took Sarah's wife and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into a land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And so we know that God called them in verse 1 to go. We know when we get to verse number 5, that land that God told them to go was Canaan. But they were only going to see it. God said, I'll just show you a land. But by the time we get to verse number 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Because of his obedience in going to see, God said, I'm going to give this land to you, verse number 7, and uh, it was going to be a gift to Abram and his descendants. And I think that you would agree with me that the beginning verses of chapter 12 was a great chapter for Abraham. It looked like one of the greatest chapters that this unknown man was going to have. And yet, uh, as many chapters go, what started like a good chapter turned out to be a bad chapter. By the time Genesis 12 was finished, Abram did not look back on Genesis 12 with only delight. There was regret. I don't know if you read books. 
It's always a good thing to read books. I know that uh, reading the Bible is something that we're all encouraged to do every day. Jesus said uh, to his disciples, search the scriptures. I know that uh, Paul said of the Berean church, he said uh, they received the word of God and searched the scriptures daily. So if you're going to read anything in your day, I think you should read the Bible. I think you should read the Bible before you read your email. I think you should read the Bible before you read the newspaper. I think that you should read the Bible before you look on YouTube. Say, well, is that the message? No, but it's good commercial. I think you ought to read the Bible before you read anything else. Having said that, that the Bible is something that you and I should read every day, I think it's also a good practice to read good books. Don't read bad books, but read good books. Do you know Paul said this to Timothy? Paul said, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. I'm not sure that that reading that Paul encouraged Timothy to do was just read the Bible. I think that Paul knew that if Timothy was a reader, that that would help him. Uh, a lot of times, people in their spare time, what they do is they are entertained. And I'm not against entertainment, but entertainment won't help you. Entertainment won't grow you. Uh, someone said this, after you finish school, you will, be ch you will only be changed by the friends that you have and the books that you read. And so again, I think it's good to read a good book. I don't know how many books you read. I know of a man, preachers in heaven now, he read a book every day. Every day. Well, you say, Pastor, that would take me all day to read a book every day. And so you might not be able to say what he said. Have you ever picked up a book and read a chapter and said, that was a good chapter? I think that you have. Uh, on the contrary, have you ever picked up a book and read a chapter and you said, that's a terrible chapter? I, I, most of my reading is preparing for the next message. No sooner do I get one message done, I'm getting ready for the next one. Most of my reading is to get ready for the next message, to study, to learn. But, uh, you know, every once in a while, because I travel some, I have people that recommend that I read a book. And some of them will hand me the book that they want me to read. I wish I could say that every book that I was recommended was a good book. I'm not saying it's a, an evil book, but I, I wish it was written well. I wish it was a good book to read. I, uh, I not long ago, was handed a book, and uh, they said, you'll like this. I read the first chapter, and I, I couldn't set it down fast enough. It was terrible. I read the second chapter. I read the first 52 pages. And I'm not sure I was helped at all by the first 52 pages. There was only about 82 pages in it. And uh, I laid it down, and I told my wife about the first 52. I said, you've not missed much not reading that book. Well, duty demanded that I finish the book. And so, I, do you know the last 30 pages of that book was the best part of the book? It was great. And so if you're ever handed an 82-page book, don't stop at page 52. Some chapters that are read are so good you can't put it down. You, you just got to finish it. Some chapters are so bad that uh, you just don't want to read anymore. I say all that to say chapter 12 is really the beginning chapter of Abram's life as far as our introduction to him. It started out as a great chapter. But by the time Genesis 12 is finished, it didn't end a great chapter. In fact, if you knew what was going to happen in Genesis 12, the last part, you might never have read the first part. Pastor, why is it so important that you and I, and what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look why Abram in Genesis chapter 12, why that chapter ended so bad. Pastor, why is that so important? Because whatever Abram did or didn't do that made that chapter a bad chapter, Maybe those are the same things that will make the chapter of your life a good chapter or a bad chapter. I know that many of you take notes. My title is a little bit longer. The makings of a bad chapter in any believer's life. Again, the makings of a bad chapter in any believer's life. So listen, if Genesis chapter 12 
ended with verse number 8. He has left where he grew up. He's gone to land. God said, I'm going to give you this land. It's going to belong to you, your children, your children's children. I will provide. If it ended, if this chapter ended at at verse number 8, you and I would say, that's a great chapter. But it didn't. Why didn't? Again, we're looking this morning, the makings of a bad chapter in any believer's life. I look there again in verse 10. That is where we read to begin. And there was a famine in the land. Stop right there. You say, preacher, what exactly is a famine? A famine is a time when the rain stops falling and when the ground gets dry and the crops stop growing. A famine is where it leads to a shortage of food and people get hungry and can't get food to buy. Ultimately, people die. All of that is included in this word famine. So again, that verse number 10, it says, and there was a famine in the land. Now, it's not this famine that made a bad chapter in Genesis 12. It's how Abram responded to this famine. Do you know that uh, troubles are a part of every person's life? His trouble at this point happened to be a famine. Troubles are a part of every person's life. That's not what makes your life or this part of your life a bad chapter. Uh, I think that uh, the Bible makes it clear that a man is born of a woman, sorry, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. She say, well, preacher, I just don't want any trouble in my life. That would be, that would be ideal, but that's not realistic. So the Bible says there in verse number 10, and there was a famine in the land. And uh, look at what happens. Look what Abram does because of the famine. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. Why? Why'd he go there? If we had been living right there and saw Abram pack up his things and uh, start heading south, southwest, and we stopped him and said, Abram, where are you going? I'm getting as far away from this famine as I possibly can. We'd have a right to say, why? And he'd probably say, well, no believer should ever have to face something like this in their life. I'm trying to get as far away from this difficulty in my life as I possibly can. Could I say that's the beginning of a bad chapter? He'd say, why? To think that your life, my life, will never face problems, never face heartaches, and the moment that it does, that we need to run away from them. Folks, that's the makings of a bad chapter in your life. Again, if you're taking notes, the makings of a bad chapter in any believer's life first is when a believer thinks all troubles have to be terminated. When a believer thinks all troubles have to be terminated. Abram, where are you going? Anywhere. I'm just not staying here. Why? This is where God has directed you. This is the land where God placed you. This is where God put you. Why would you think that you need to go anywhere else? Because the famine. Listen, the famine is one example of troubles that everybody faces. When the famine hit Canaan, no doubt there were believers and there were unbelievers. Do you know that uh, believers face problems that unbelievers face? That is not the reason to pack up and move. And yet that's exactly what we find again. It'll make a bad chapter when a believer thinks all troubles have to be terminated. I'm saying to you that uh, that's not true. Do you know... um, the prosperity gospel preachers, we don't have much exposure to them unless you listen to them on the internet. They're teaching that you are guaranteed health and wealth. You're not guaranteed health and wealth. They are saying that uh, life will be a better roses to God's people. Do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, John 16, 33, in the world ye shall have tribulation. He wasn't saying that to lost people. He was saying that to his disciples. God's people get sick just like uh, unsaved people get sick. 
but sickness isn't a reason to pack up and move. Do you know that God's people have financial hardship, just like unsaved people? Financial hardship is not a reason to head down the road. God's people get laid off jobs, just like unsaved people get laid off jobs. That's not the reason to flee the coop. <laughs> Do you know God's people have fender benders? See, we have to go there. God's people have accidents just like uh, lost people have accidents. And yet accidents is not the reason to pick up and pack up and escape. Trouble is not a signal from God to pack up and change everything. And yet that's exactly what Abram thought. I've got to get away from this famine at all costs. You know, folks, trouble is not a curse from God. Trouble is a test from God. Trouble is going to magnify where your faith is in. If your faith and my faith is in God, then we're going to look to God in our troubles to carry us through those troubles. If our faith is in ideal circumstances, then when the trouble comes and our ideal circumstances crumble, we're going to do just what Abram did. Do you know why, and I'm not preaching on this, but do you know why divorces happen? Because when troubles come in a marriage, people are not willing to stick together and get God's help to get through that trouble. And I know that some of you have, have, have been the victim of a marriage where, where you had a partner that said, I'm getting out of here. Why? People have as much of a right to ask you why as they could have asked Abram, where, where are you going? I'm getting away from this trouble. Trouble is not a curse. Trouble is a test to see where your faith is. And it's obvious that Abram is failing this test in his faith. I'm saying to you, that's the reason why. Do you know the reason why some folks depart from a church? Because trouble has come. I'm getting away. You know what? I'm going to quote you, and it's a quote of people that aren't here anymore. Our church in 33-plus years has gone through trouble. Sure we have. Every church does. Now, when there's trouble, that's not time to hit the road and head down the road. I'm going to find a church that doesn't have trouble. Give me a call when you find it. Maybe I'll come there too. And folks, all churches have trouble. But we used to have a man, he said, Preach, you're probably, you're probably not going to see me for about six, eight weeks. He said that. And I said, Brother, why? And he said, Because I'm going to wait till the trouble passes. <laughs> really? And don't you think something negative is going to happen in your life because you've not been in the house of God, even though the house... Listen, the Corinthian church, all kinds of trouble. Do you know nowhere in 1 Corinthians did God tell those people to leave that church and get out of there? God told me, you just need to trust God through the trouble. And so again, I say to you, the very first reason, the makings of a bad chapter in any believer's life is when a believer thinks all troubles have to be terminated. Isn't that, you know, there are 13 famines. Here was a famine. There are 13 famines in the Bible. Each one of those were a test of where God's people's faith was. And uh, there were others that packed up and ran. Isn't that the whole story of Ruth? If you're familiar with the story of Ruth, the Bible says there was a famine, another famine. There was a famine that came to Bethlehem, Judah. There was a lack of bread. And Elimelech, a Jewish man, God placed him in that city. It's where God put him. That man said to his wife, Naomi, and uh, let's move. Oh, well, where are we going, honey? Let's go to Moab. Moab, that's enemy territory. They don't have a famine, dear. That's where we're going. And they went to Moab, and uh, that man got sick, and he died. Moving didn't eliminate his problems. His two boys grew up and married Moabite girls. And then the two boys died. Now you've got this mother-in-law with these Moabite uh, daughter-in-laws. Moving did not eliminate his troubles. 
You saw a preacher, you know, she finally came back. Yeah, she finally did with one of those daughters-in-law. If he had never moved in the trouble but trusted God in the trouble, he would have never died out of the land that God placed him in. So I say the very first thing, Pastor, what are the makings of a bad chapter in a believer's life? And the very first thing is a believer thinks all troubles have to be terminated. Listen, as soon as, this, whatever your trouble is, say, Pastor, I don't have any troubles. Good for you. Invite me to your house. I'd like to hear about it. What, whenever this trouble passes, there'll be another one. And then another one. He says, that's not very encouraging. No, but it's very true. You just have to trust God. And when you trust God through that trouble and God brings you to the other side, you'll be able to look back and say, boy, I sure am glad I didn't flee the, flee the coop, flew the keep, whatever it is. I'm saying to you, the makings of a bad chapter in any believer's life is when uh, they think all troubles have to be terminated. Uh, do you know uh, troubles aren't a curse or a test? James wrote this, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith. So troubles is a test of faith. And may God help us in our test, whenever that is, whatever that is. God, I'm just going to trust you in this. I'm just going to believe you in this. Do you know when the Apostle Paul got that thorn in the flesh, what was his first reaction to that thorn in the flesh? What did he want? God to take it away. Lord, you've got to take this away. God said, no. God, you have to take. Why, Paul? God said, listen, I'm not taking it away. But I'll give you my grace. I'll give you my help. And I'll give you my strength in your weakness. And when Paul got a hold of that truth, he said, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. All of us have trouble. Don't be convinced I have to run as far and as fast as I can so I can get away from this trouble. I give you a second thing that we learn, not only the makings of a bad chapter in any believer's life, is when that believer thinks all troubles have to be terminated. But look there, if you would, in verse 10 again. The Bible says, uh, Genesis 12, 10, And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. Do you know, although many problems that you and I face happen in a day, I think, uh, uh, what, what did I say last week, uh, that hurricanes come and go in 10 minutes, maybe that's tornadoes. Uh, do you know, some of our troubles come and go very quickly. Earthquake, boy, that happens fast. I know that the results last a long time. Uh, do you know, a, a fire might burn your house to the ground. That fire can do it very quick. Sometimes our troubles happen very fast. I don't think this famine was a fast trouble. I think that this famine, as the rain stopped and some weeks passed and no rain came and farmers looked out at their crops and instead of them growing, they began to wilt. And uh, as, as that carried through the whole process and the price of groceries... That's a prolonged trouble. Some troubles we can face if it only lasts a day. Some troubles we can face even if it only lasts a week. But you know, some of the troubles that God allows in our life, they, they, they just kind of build and build. And, and that old time they're building. Lord, is this ever going to get better? And that's what exactly what Abram was going through, this famine. It's just multiplying. It's just getting worse and getting worse. Until we read there again, verse number 10. And there was a famine in land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn. I don't think he made that decision in a moment. I don't think the famine happened at 8 in the morning and 12 noon. He sat down and said, you know, we're moving. <laughs> I think this prolonged trouble... He, he began to think, what am I going to do? Now, if it was a prolonged trouble, 
there was plenty of time for God to tell him if he was supposed to do anything. But God didn't tell Abraham anything in verse number 10. God didn't give him a direction that in this famine, here's what I want you to do. There are cases in the Bible where God gave instructions for somebody in their trouble, here's what you need to do. But that's not this case here. I'm sure that Abraham had been saying, Lord, this thing's getting a little tighter. What do you want? No answer. Lord, it's getting more dip. No answer. I say, well, then, preacher, why is he moved down to Egypt? Because that's the conclusion he came up with. Do you know what another making of a bad chapter in any believer's life is when you decide how you're going to handle it instead of letting God decide how he's going to handle it. I, I'll word it this way. Do you know, second, it'll make for a bad chapter when a believer's decisions are self-directed. When a believer's decisions are self-directed. Abram knew what it was like for God to talk to him. Look back there in Genesis 12, verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram. So Abram was very familiar with what it meant for God to tell me what to do. He understood that. Look there in Genesis 12 and verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. I'm trying to say this. Abram was very familiar with God telling him what he was to do. But when you come to verse number 10, God has not told Abram to do anything. And so what does Abram do? He decides himself what he'll do. Folks, that's the makings of a bad chapter. I'm saying the second reason is a believer's decisions are self-directed. Uh, Abram knew what it was like for God to talk to him and bless him for his obedience. And uh, if God didn't tell Abram to move down to Egypt, then why did Abram do it? Because to him... Moving to Egypt makes good sense. Do you know that uh, the prophet Jeremiah had much better sense than to follow his own sense? Listen to this, Jeremiah 10, 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. How many times have I had people tell me, preacher, this is what I'm going to do. This is going to be the next question. Is that what God has told you to do? And it's funny, the backpedaling that people will start when that question, did God tell you to do this? Well, no, I just think that, that that's where you're going to start a bad chapter. If God hasn't told you, then you are following your heart instead of God's leading. Say, so, well, preacher, what's wrong with following your heart? Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Folks, there's some people in the Bible that did some horrible things that they convinced themselves it was okay. Eve convinced herself it was okay to take that forbidden fruit. God never told her to do that. In fact, God specifically told her not to do that. Do you know that Moses convinced himself it was okay to kill the Egyptian and bury him? God never told him anything of the sort. He convinced himself of that. Do you know King David convinced himself that having a relationship with someone else's wife was okay? It's not okay. But David convinced himself that it was okay. Peter convinced himself that it was okay to warm by the soldier's fire. I'm saying to you all that was... The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So if God hasn't given you the direction to take that step, you'd just be a whole lot safer staying put. So, preacher, I've got to do something. No, no, you don't have to do anything unless God has told you to do it. But as soon as we say, well, why did you do that? Well, I just felt it was the best thing. Felt? Well, my heart told you, Heart? I'm saying the second thing that we should be alarmed at is the fact that uh, Abram's making these decisions 
And God hasn't told. I give you a third thing. Look there in verse 10. Verse number 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. Now help me. In the Bible, Egypt is always a picture of the world. So Abram has convinced himself it would be okay if I go down and fellowship with the world. That'd be okay, because after all, there's a famine where God has told me to go. Do you know the third detail, third makings of a bad chapter in a believer's life is when a believe, with a believer, companying with the world is considered. Companying with the world is considered. Hold on a minute. Abram, that's Egypt. Why would you think God wants you down in Egypt? And maybe you're saying, well, Pastor, you know, uh, maybe by this time, as Genesis 12 is so early in the Bible, maybe Abram didn't know that there were any issues with Egypt. Maybe Abram was naive and thought Egypt would be just as safe a place to go as anywhere else. Do you know that's not true? Do you know Abram already had reservations in his heart about Egypt? Look there in Genesis 12. Genesis chapter number 12. Um, uh, I'm trying to get my verse there. Genesis chapter 12. Uh, look at uh, verse number 11. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt. He's not in Egypt yet. He came near to enter into Egypt. That he said unto Sarah's wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Abram already had a hesitation in his heart about going down to Egypt. So we can't cut him slack and say Abram didn't know. No, he did know. And yet he still considered it was okay to company with the world. Could I say to you that in there, if you're saved, is the Holy Spirit of God. If you're not saved, there's a conscience. And whether it's your conscience or whether it's the indwelling Spirit of God, if something in there is a red flag saying maybe you better not, maybe you shouldn't, you can't ignore that voice. So here when he says, you know what, there's a famine in the land and, and I, just, I just don't think it's safe to stay here, so I'm going to go to Egypt. I want you to notice two words in that verse number 10. Uh, it says, and there was a famine in the land and Abram went down in Egypt to sojourn there. Sojourn is a short visit, just a short time. So he convinced himself it's okay to run to the world just for a short time, just to like get through this. It, 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 it's not permanent, it's just for a little bit. I'm saying to you that he considered company of the world. Preacher, what is the makings of a bad chapter in any believer's life? I say third, it'll make for a bad chapter when a believer accompanying with the world is considered uh, notice there again in verse 10. It says, and Abram went down into Egypt. I, I know geographically Egypt was down. I understand on a map. But you know that's an indication that he is straying from where God wanted him to be. Could I suggest this to you? It would be better to be with God in a famine than away from God and no famine. He convinced himself there's no famine in Egypt. It would be better for me to be there. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. No famine and no God is a disaster but a famine with God. That's a win. 
I say to you, the third indication or making as a believer accompanying with the world is considered. Again, the standard rule that God's laid out in the scripture about Egypt is that it's the world. Listen, listen to this. We don't turn to it. Well, maybe you should. Keep your eye on Genesis. Look there in Isaiah 31. Might be a little while till your Bible reading takes you there. Isaiah chapter number 31. Now, this is God's take about Egypt. And I know Isaiah 31 wasn't written yet when Abram made this choice. But look there in Isaiah chapter number 31 and look at verse number one. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. Well, that's exactly what Abram's doing. He's going to Egypt because he thinks Egypt can help him better. Again, Isaiah 31, verse 1, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because there are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Abram, for whatever reason, is not seeking the Lord. He figures the world will be able to help him better than God can help him. Again, back there to Genesis chapter 12, I see the third making of a bad chapter is when a believer accompanying with the world is considered. And uh, we would say, if you know the story of Dinah, Dinah, why are you going down to Hittite territory? That's worldliness. Why would you go? Well, by the end of that chapter, she found it was a disaster. Peter, why would you, when Jesus was arrested, Stand by the fire of the soldiers. That's a worldly crowd. We know by the end of that chapter that that did not turn out well. We're looking again at uh, the makings of a bad chapter in any believer's life. First, a believer thinks all troubles have to be terminated. Secondly, a believer's decisions are self-directed. Third, when a believer's accompanying with the world is considered. I give you a fourth thing, Genesis 12, 7. Genesis 12 and verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this answer. So this is before he went to Egypt. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Do you know one of the marks of Abraham when he got to the promised land of Canaan, when he was in tune with God, when he was listening to God, when he was walking with God, one of the indicators is Abraham had an altar. Look again at verse number 7. Again, this is before he ever went to Egypt. Verse number 7. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Now, I know that, folks, in our day and age, we don't make stone altars and we don't put animal sac sacrifices on. I understand that. But that altar is a picture of a different kind of altar that all of us ought to have in our life. There ought to be a time every day where you get alone with God and you talk to God and God talks to you. And one of the indicators of a Christian that's doing well in their Christian life spiritually is they have an altar. And so here, before Abram went down to Egypt, when that famine came, he had an altar. He had a close communion with God. Well, that's verse number 7. Look there, if you would, in verse number 8. And he, Abram, removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar unto the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. And so he's got an altar in verse 7, and he's got an altar in verse 8. Do you know from verse 10, when Abram goes down to Egypt, of all the things that happened in Egypt, he had no altar. And may I say to you that when you are in a bad chapter of your life, when I'm in a bad chapter of my life, we don't have an altar. We're not talking to God. We're not on our knees saying, God, 
What do you want? Or what do I need to hear from you today? We don't know how long they were in Egypt. We're not told whether it was weeks or months. But he didn't have an altar where he talked to God in that entire period of time. Ever gone through a period in your Christian life where there's no altar? The day would start and the day would end and you hadn't opened up the Bible once. You hadn't got alone with God and talked to God. God hadn't spoken to you and told you I love you and given you some directions for the day. If that happens one day, it'll break your heart. But you know, you let that pass one day and it goes to two and to three and to five and a week. A whole week passes, never open the Bible. Whole week passes and never talk to God in prayer. Whole week passes and you haven't heard God warm your heart. We don't know how long they were in Egypt, but there was no altar in Egypt. Could I suggest to you that if in your life right now, oh, you're busy, you are busy with more, your tongue's hanging out, but you have no altar. You're not talking to him, and he's not talking to you. Folks, that's a bad chapter. That's a bad chapter. I, I know that uh, at, at church we have an altar. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that at every service you ought to move unless God's speaking to you directly every service. But surely, surely sometime in a church service, God's got to talk to your heart. And when God talks to your heart, either you make an altar out of your chair or you make your way to an altar, if that never, ever, ever happens in your life, that's a bad chapter. What a heartbreak. Folks, it's not like God up in heaven saying, well, I'm just not talking to him this week. No, 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 no. God waited all night last night when you were sleeping. <laughs> so I get one more chance to talk to him tomorrow or two. I'm saying to you that the makings of a bad chapter, the fourth, is when a believer has abandoned God's altar. When a believer has abandoned God's altar. I wonder why it was that Abram had no altar in Egypt. I think verse 16 gives us a hint. Look there in Genesis 12, 16. And he, that's this Pharaoh of Egypt, and he entreated Abram well for her sake, Sarah's sake. And uh, he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. Um, you know what? Verse 16 talks about Abram a lot, of, a lot of stuff. You know, sometimes the excuse that God's people give why well, I had no time to spend with God. I just have too much stuff. Preacher, I just have too many things to do. That's exactly what Abraham could have used. But he had no altar. You know when Abram finally had an altar again? Look there in Genesis 13, 1. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar. That entire time he's in Egypt, there's no altar. Oh, he's getting, he's getting financially rich in Egypt, because that's what the world wants to give you. As long as you don't have an altar, this world will offer you anything that you want. But he missed the altar. And he finally had to leave Egypt before God reinstated an altar in his life. And uh, then look there a little later in Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, look at verse 18. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar. He's getting back to an altar. 
whatever this world has offered you, if it's going to rob you of an altar, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. We have seen already four reasons. The makings of a bad chapter. First, a believer thinks all troubles have to be terminated. Second, a believer's decisions are self-directed. Third, a believer's accompanying with the world is considered. Fourth, a believer has abandoned God's altar. Well, preacher, I, I think I can handle all that this world throws at me without needing an altar. Abram couldn't. I'm not sure that we could either. I give you a fifth thing here. Look, Genesis 12, verse 11. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 11. So Abram is taking his family heading to Egypt. Verse number 11, And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarah's wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Now that's a compliment. They're older in life now. He looks at his wife and he said, Honey, you're beautiful. <laughs> and she kind of blushes. Well, thank you, dear. Uh, women always like to hear that. And so he said, honey, you are beautiful. You are a knockout. And if it was left at that, that would be fine. But look at the very next verse, verse 12. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Verse 13, say, I pray thee, thou art my sister. Well, honey, that... That'd be lying. He said, I know that. But you need to say that. Could I say number five? And we have six totals, so it's done. Number five, it's the makings of a bad chapter when a believer gives license to lying. Folks, lying is never right. Lying is never okay. And yet, here, Abram got thinking, when I go to Egypt, they're going to see my beautiful wife, and they're going to want her, so they're going to kill me. Honey, I'll tell you what, i got an idea. Is it an honest idea, dear? Or is it a dishonest one? Is it true? Or is it untrue? Well, regardless, I want you to tell them that you're my sister. Well, yeah, but that wouldn't be true. Shouldn't that have been enough to wake Abram up? I mean, Abram's not in Egypt yet. He's come near to Egypt. Shouldn't something in Abram's head said, pull, pull, pull the brakes, hold on a minute. If I have to lie to go to this place, maybe I shouldn't go to this place. Folks, if you have to lie in order to accomplish something in your life. Something's not right about what you're wanting to accomplish in life. If you have to lie to get a better income, if you have to lie to get a better job, if you have to lie to get a promotion, if you have to lie to establish yourself in something. Brother Ferris always said this, you don't have to have a good memory if you always tell the truth. That's a great statement. See, if you lie, then you kind of have to remember what you said next time, and then you have to remember next time. You don't have to have a good memory if you don't lie. But when you give license to lying, that's the makings of a bad chapter. And here Abram says, honey, it'll be okay. <laughs> no, it won't be okay. It won't be okay at all. Christian, have you learned that there are some places that uh, you should never go? Because you're going to have to be less than honest. If you're going to have to hide your Christian faith, you probably shouldn't go there. If you're going to have to compromise your convictions, then don't go there. If you're going to have to distance from other believers sold out for God, then don't go there. If you're going to have to deny that you know Jesus, that's what Peter did at that fire. He denied knowing. They said, aren't thou one of his? <laughs> no. Peter, you're lying. 
And Peter, if you have to lie to stay in this crowd, it's the wrong crowd to be in. I'm saying the fifth making of a bad chapter as a believer gives license to lying. In Abram's case, if, if you're going to have to lie to get ahead and a job amongst your friends, then don't, get, go, don't go there. Because you're putting yourself in a situation like that is only going to turn out to be a bad chapter. Do you know there are some people that the saints of God should never be around? So, well, what do you mean? Eventually, they're going to start asking you about what you did Sunday. Well, I can't tell them I was in church. <laughs> Why not? Oh, are you kidding? You can't tell those people you go to church. Then they're the wrong people to be with. I'm saying to you that some people, you know, David wrote, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. David wrote, there are some people that we're not to be around because they're going to compel us to hide our faith and lie about what we believe. And again, if the circumstances that you have put yourself in require you to lie and to cheat, they're just the wrong circumstances. Do you remember why Abram thought he needed to lie? Well, because his wife, they'd, 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 they'd want his wife and kill him. Well, then Abram, you're going to the wrong place. You're being around the wrong people. I give you the last thing. I'm done with this. Uh, look there in Genesis 12, verse 13. Genesis 12, verse 13. Here's what Abram says to Sarah. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me. <laughs> He's not thinking about Sarah at all. It would be one thing, and I'm not justifying lying, but it would be one thing if Abram said to Sarah, listen, I'm worried about you, dear. He's not worried about her. He's worried about his own neck. And he's worried about his own skin. Hold on, Abram. What could this subject your wife to? Listen, and I wonder if Sarah didn't scratch your head and say, honey, that's the compliment about being beautiful. That's very nice, dear. But you want me to lie and tell people that I'm your sister so you're safe? You understand it? Isn't there something wrong about that? Could I give you the last making of a bad chapter in your life? When a believer is willing to forsake his family, when a believer is willing to forsake his family, it could never turn out to be a good chapter in any believer's life when you're willing to sacrifice your family for personal gain. Did Abraham give any consideration what this lie would do to Sarah? It certainly exposed her to great danger. It was compromising convictions. Look there in verse 14. And it came to pass when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. Well, he was right about that. He guessed that, right? The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Folks, verse 15 is one step short of sin. And he said, no, honey, just, just tell me. I said, oh, don't you know that did great damage to that marriage? <laughs> My husband's prepared to sacrifice me for his own well-being. Listen, when, you're, when, when you think I can do better without my family, there's a problem. When you think, you know, it's okay to just rush the kiddos out of here. No, no, no. And when we sacrifice our family so that we can get ahead, that's just going to end a bad chapter. It's just going to end a terrible one. It's true that Abram did get ahead financially. It's true he did. We, we saw all the things that Pharaoh gave him for Sarah. But at what a price. Sir, if you have to sacrifice your wife and children to get ahead, that chapter is not going to turn out well. 
And a lot have sacrificed their family for their career, their sports, their calling, their life's dream. Ma'am, if you have to sacrifice your husband and your children to get ahead socially, it's not good. What a long list of heartaches that followed this bad decision. Abram lost his testimony in Egypt, and that's where God's people always lose their testimony in Egypt. In fact, by the time we get to the end of this chapter, they're telling Abram to leave. When the world tells a Christian to leave, he's gone downhill quite a bit. But all the ramifications of that bad choice are not just seen in chapter 12. Look there in Genesis 16, quick, almost done, Genesis 16. We know that some years passed and Sarah still had not born a child. Genesis 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. Now, that was a crisis back then. Sarah hadn't given her husband, Abram, a son, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Do you know where Hagar was picked up? In that little trip down to Egypt. Yes, it's true that Abram and Sarah came back. Yes, it's true they came back richer than ever before. But they came back with some marks on them that they never recovered from. And you that listen to the news, Israel, God's people through Isaac, uh, Abram's son Isaac, is being encircled by Arab nations that are wanting to destroy Israel. They're trying to push that little country into the sea. I'm saying that his little decision to go to Egypt sure has long-range consequences. Now, maybe you're looking at your life right now and saying, boy, good chapter. You've got a house, you've got vehicles, you've got a family. Good chapter, good chapter. I wonder if the chapter you're in is going to end a good chapter. Maybe there's someone you have a decision that you're about to make. They said, Preacher, it just makes good sense. This made good sense to Abraham, but God didn't tell him to do it. And before that chapter was done, what a tragedy that it was. Maybe there's a Christian that you're living in a bad chapter. I appreciate the fact that Abram left Egypt. He finally left. He said, I've got to get out of here. And you know, if you're living in a bad chapter, it's not over. Oh, you might not be able to erase consequences of decisions made. But don't stay in a bad chapter for another moment. Let's pray. Father, we've looked at Abraham, great, great man. Or Genesis 12 started out a great chapter. That's when you called him to leave earth. That's when you said, I want to show you a land. We know by verse number 5, that land was Canaan, the promised land. We know by verse 7, you said to Abram, this is yours. I'm giving it to you, your children, children's children as a gift. Oh, if only Genesis 12 ended with verse 8. But it didn't. That chapter continued with a famine. And Abram convinced himself, I've got to get out of this trouble. I've got to terminate this trouble. God didn't tell him to. God, couldn't have, God could have given him grace in the famine. But because he hightailed it out of there and fled to the world, fled to Egypt, all of the troubles that came, the only silver lining of Genesis 12 is Genesis 13, where he finally left Egypt. Lord, would you help us?
help our life to be a good chapter. Help it to end as a good chapter will always end. Trusting God. Lord, maybe there's someone here. They used to have an altar. They used to have a close communion with God. But something has taken place at that altar. They don't have it anymore. They don't talk to God. They don't listen to God. They're listening to the news and the weather and the sports. They have no time for God. Would you help us?